Build compelling real-time apps quickly and scale them globally with the PubNub real-time network. Only PubNub delivers the core building blocks needed for any real-time application. Find out for yourself by signing up for free today. Visit PubNub.com. everybody and welcome to untether.tv i'm your host and founder rob woodbridge today today we are going to talk about why developers can no longer ignore china this is one of these things that we've all heard about i've interviewed many 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 mobile entrepreneurs who have gone to china first and gone to asia first instead of going to the us simply because of the market size and the opportunities and i, I think probably the lack of selection at some point um, early on anyways that they've established a foothold in china and then have flourished there made a lot of money and then eventually come over to the united states so a few things about china if you didn't know, it's obviously a big country, very populous country. And uh, last year, it actually now is the most active country for activations in iOS and Android for smartphones. It has surpassed every other country. It also has uh, surpassed the United States for connectivity in general with more than 321 million connected devices, that's smart, or smartphones and feature phones. And then it's projected by 2013 actually to have over 500 million smartphones activated. Uh, in the country. Now that is a huge market. And these are all numbers that I am actually gleaning from Inmobi. They just came out with a report, which is basically the Chinese opportunity versus the US opportunity and why you have to be in China if you are thinking or considering or in the mobile space. And joining me to talk about this from India, which is another emerging economy, is uh, Piyush Shah, who's the VP and GM performance advertising and developer platform. He's live from Bangalore. I got to tell you, it's 10 p.m. in Bangalore. It is uh, you know midday here in Ottawa. Yeah, you know, Piyush, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate you sticking around just for me, man. Sure, thanks. Thanks, Rob. So why don't, Pleasure to talk to you. Why, why don't we start with a little bit about, uh, you know, I've, I've sat with a number of people from, from Inmobi, but talk about what you do for Inmobi, a little bit about your history, uh, it, you know, uh, what led you to, to Inmobi and, and, and what you do in Bangalore. Yeah, so I joined Inmobi uh, about near to four years back. And before that, I was, I was working with uh, large corporations like City and Citigroup and Deutsche Bank. Uh, in various divisions of consumer banking and wealth management and uh, payments. And then, of course, before that, I was a, a, a startup entrepreneur myself for about three, four years in the, in the dot-com days. So burned my fingers, learned a lot, but realized that that is the best thing, most exciting uh, part, of, part, of, part of being being an entrepreneur. So did that for a while and then realized that uh, there's much more happening in the world out there. And I got to work with a company that is uh, passionate and ambitious and looking to build something successful out of India, which is very global, and, 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 for, and something which has never been done, done before by any Indian company whatsoever on the product, product uh, spectrum. So join them, and then uh, currently I head uh, the global performance advertising business for Inmobi, and also drive the product roadmap for the developer platform. And, and, and that's what I do by working very closely with our uh, customers, both advertisers and publishers, and of course, driving uh, the business direction and product strategy uh, with the various teams in Inmobi, just to make sure that we are uh, innovating ahead of the curve and, and giving the maximum ROI for advertisers and the best possible 
ECPMs and monetization for our publishers. It, and you know, in Moby is one of these one of these stories. It's I mean, it's it's very impressive. I was um, obviously been around long enough to see the the, the meteoric growth and rise. I mean. Uh, and, and announced with them, you, you know, a two hundred million dollar funding about a year ago, or just over a year ago, and and uh, and watch them absorb some great companies, and 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 it's been fascinating to watch this grow. So, how, I mean, how big is the team in in Bangalore now that you're working with? Well, the team in Bangalore is about uh, around four five hundred people. It's crazy. It's crazy. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's 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 crazy. It's growing at a scorching pace, and, and I think we would. We just moved into a new nice office, and, and it, it just already sort of completely strapped out. <laughs> but that just shows you the, the the opportunities here, right? Is that uh, you know you, you talk about uh, being an entrepreneur, and and uh, I mean being an entrepreneur can sometimes be isolating, can't it? Like you know you you long for the days that you you work with a team and and you have retreats and you do the things that teams do, and you work with somebody who's smarter than you, so you can learn from them. I mean, you must have been going through that as you were building your own. Maybe you're the smart guy, but I'm certainly not. I, I long for those days. <laughs> no, absolutely. It's, it's very humbling because with every new hire, we've learned that there's so much more stuff out there that we don't, we don't know. And the best part is none of the founders or a part of the senior exec team are necessarily from the advertising field or mobile technology or telecom backgrounds. I think we just simply understood and realized that there's a huge opportunity out there. If you can simply think first principles, uh, create a strong technology and platform-based organization, and of course, in our own in our own opportunistic way, make sure we are uh, conquering the global scale because mobile is global. I think those those three four pieces came in together, uh, and I guess back with strong investors, it, it started making sense. Well, it's, uh, I love I love watching in mobile. So every time I get an opportunity to to, uh, to sit and talk to somebody from the organization and in a senior level like you, um, because I always learn from from you guys, whether it's in Bangalore or in the United States or anywhere else. It's always been a, a great pleasure, and I and I hope to do the same thing. Extract a little bit of knowledge about the stuff that you guys are doing and the the things that you are seeing, because you have such a worldwide focus. You you're able to bring this kind of data up to the forefront based on what it is that you you do to make money, which is your business, and and so. So you guys recently, uh, recently at the beginning of May of 2013, if you're watching this a little bit later, uh, actually released some staggering numbers. I mean, we know that China is a huge opportunity. We know that India is, is labeled a huge opportunity. And I've just spent a weekend uh, talking about Africa as a huge opportunity as well as, the, as these, uh, as maybe, I don't think it's saturation yet, but the U.S. starts to slow down and, and uh, you know, not in general, but app fatigue sets in and mobile penetration is at, a, is at an all-time high. So you start to look at other opportunities, and obviously China is one of those, isn't it? Absolutely. I think I think the big big question, of course, is uh, if you are a mobile first uh, app developer, if you are, have a mobile first business, then you might as well go after uh, users and smartphone users and tablet users across the world. And if you have a product that is fairly generic, I mean, yeah, you're not doing a trading business and hence you don't need licenses across all these countries, but if you're doing a mobile first app, which is a game or a communication app or, or any, any, any generic thing, then why not distribute and acquire users worldwide and why not monetize the hell out of the whole thing? I think the whole Apple ecosystem and Google Play have made things very simple and easy and frictionless for you to run and expand your business across borders. And, 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 and of course, players like us uh, allow and help and enable customers to do that much more easily. So, which is why, I mean, whether it's China, I mean, this whole economy and ecosystem is about uh, unknowns from Lithuania and Estonia and, and Russia and, and of course, uh, 
uh, Finland and, and a lot of these our own US and India and in these countries who've done phenomenally good jobs in making sure that they build something great, but but uh, their ability to sort of have a multiplier effect on distribution and making money is not limited by their own size. They're like five to 10 people each. And that's what makes this whole thing so interesting and, and sort of insane in terms of this scale, which unknown developers uh, like we all know have managed to get. And that's why we believe that a lot of that scale is going to come from China, both in terms of consumers and users, and now a staggering number of developers who are originating from China are looking to conquer not just the Chinese market, but the global market. And we can talk about that in some other time, but we see, we see that dimension happening on both sides. You know, it's one of these things that you start to realize that, uh, you know, Perhaps when I was growing up and, and you wanted to get into China and I looked at uh, doing an, uh, an importing business for a silly idea, you know, in the 90s and, and the thought of the thought of importing from China or the thought of exporting to China uh, just kind of made me a little bit sick, you know, just because it the effort, the amount of effort that it would take to actually penetrate into that market in anything other than software, it would seem. And then the trust factor, right, which is, you know, especially as these companies or these countries emerge. I mean, I did a lot of traveling in the 90s and and I could go into Bangkok and I could I could get any cassette, you know, any album or CD that I wanted or any movie that I wanted right on the on the street corner. And there was there's a lot of um, I don't know, uh, glorification, I suppose, um, amplification of the piracy that goes on there. So, you know, all of these things are going kind of in, in traditional media. They're coming at you. And as a business person, you kind of make a decision at that point and maybe like I'm not going to go into China. But then all of a sudden you, you, the app economy emerged and and now it's it's it, everything's changed because you can at the flick of a button enable your application in China. So is, is that what it is? Like, why? Why is it so important for these companies? to be in China? Is it the population? Is it the education? Is it the consumption? What is it that makes it so important for mobile first companies? As you said, game game companies, communication applications, why is it so important for them to be there? So I think, I think the fundamental is very clear. As a developer, as a gaming or any of these app company, you're looking at essentially two things. You're looking at acquiring large number of users who will engage with your application uh, in a much more loyal and, and, and frequent way, an active way. And of course, a certain proportion of the, that those users will end up helping you monetize and make a lot of money and have high LTV. So with that, with that objective in mind, uh, China has got all, all, all the three. So huge number of smartphone devices and tablets now increasing, as you mentioned earlier. Uh, much higher average levels of usage and consumption of their mobile device. And that's, that's understandable in terms of uh, the way the smartphone has become a much more closer device, a personal device for the Chinese uh, uh, versus an average American because uh, of the demography, of the teenage nature of China, of the fact that this is something that they've, they've catapulted themselves from the pre-pager era and directly to the smartphone era, whereas in US it actually went step by step. So all those things have happened which, may, which makes the mobile device a much more intrinsic part of the Chinese consumer or average consumer, vis-a-vis -vis an average American. That's the way we look at things. So there is huge penetration and device ownership. There is huge just sheer uh, engagement and consumption of, of, of the device. And then by the sheer demographic of the whole piece, they are all willing to 
uh, experiment and do a lot more with their phone in terms of figuring out apps and testing them apps and all that. And then finally, given that the market has traditionally been a very strong online uh, RPG uh, and, and all those MMORPG market, uh, the moment they see some similar such experiences on mobile and that makes it simpler for them, I think the, there's an inclination, there's an intrinsic inclination to sort of start using those apps and play games and stuff like that. So I think all those add up and then the moment uh, the whole freemium model came where they didn't have to pay for anything and that's where the whole uh, paid versus freemium came in, it suddenly became such a large thing because all they needed was some downloading apps for free and then they could decide whether they want to, they want to pay or not. So I think all these three, four things have added up a lot, lot more. And, and, and that's why uh, one has to be very clear that you cannot just ignore China anymore if you're looking at a global app business where, where you have a generic app which, which can get consumers. So that's the way we look at it. And, and increasingly for a lot of global developers who work with us for China or for China, Japan, Korea, they realize that if they're not in those markets, they're pretty much losing out 40 to 50% of the opportunity. The global opportunity. The global yeah. opportunity. Hence, and hence, you cannot just do with being in US and Europe and figs and Nordics anymore. You got to figure out China and Japan and Korea, especially China. Well, and, and it's pretty obvious to see that when Facebook is talking about this and Google is, you know, is Google is risking being ostracized for for being in China. And, and uh, I mean, this is very important to them because the growth for those companies, for those big companies is China, isn't it right now? This is this is the battlefield that they're that they're going after very aggressively. And there's already incumbents in China that are huge that are comparable in size to Facebook, right? So and to Twitter. Uh, so this is a this is a market that that obviously needs to be penetrated. I'm not saying that you, you know, that that's the sole reason that you go in there. But but you talk about um, key, key, key factors in there is that I got to hone in on a couple of these is that, you know, they, they, they adopt the technology much better. Freemium is a very important piece, as you as you said. And I've, I've talked to a number of companies that have gone in with that freemium model and made a lot of money as a result of this. Uh, and, you know, in the early days, if you wanted to get into an emerging economy uh, or a growth economy like China or India, for that matter, I think of um, Lever. And, and they had to offer products that were, you know, comparable in to North American products, but at a reduced price in order to be able to penetrate that market because of the disparity of income. But with, with a freemium model and small microtransactions in local currency uh, and, and a huge volume of people that use the product, all of a sudden you're in the market and you are, you, you've adopted uh, the currency and, and are able to sell. Is that, how, how important is that? Uh, that must have been the catalyst for, for driving some of the growth of some of the early companies are there. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think there are two parts to that whole freemium thing and why it's, so, why it's become such a catalyst for... Chinese users to sort of uh, spend more. So one, as I earlier said, the whole propensities to sort of experiment and uh, uh, this inclination for emoticons and virtual goods and all that stuff from a culture standpoint, and that's true for both China and Korea and Japan at some level, that is one from a propensity to do much more in-app purchase behavior vis-a-vis -vis an average uh, US guy because they've just grown to uh, uh, play and share emoticons and share swords and do stuff like that. So that that's one angle. The second angle, which is something which people, which is quite paradoxical, is the absence of Google Play, where uh, people used to think that because there's no Google Play, 
and there's no standard method of paying in China, it is a crazy market. How will I make money? Because users have no way to pay, pay me into China. It's actually quite the reverse. I think what has happened in China is because the top five distribution platforms are the big, big app stores, uh, whether it is 360 or 91.com or Tencent's own uh, distribution platform, they are very interestingly aggregated very a range of payment methods ranging from Alibaba or Tencent's own virtual currency and all that stuff, which is already a very prevalent method of payment in the country. Many more users have been using that in general for, for online payments in that country. And it was very easy for them to gravitate for that on mobile also. So while there was an absence of Google Play and, and a standard payment method, I think because there's a much more variety of payment methods available which have been more prevalent and there's, no, there's not much notion of credit cards as such, I think that has actually led to making the whole payment of in-app purchase much more seamless and easy. And that is why uh, there is a higher notion of premium and, and stuff like that. So I think, I think that's how we look at it. And where, where the challenge of the fragmented Android app store thing is actually a, quite a boon uh, from a user standpoint, because all these four or five guys have done a great job of ensuring that the payment process and the payment flexibility is very high. Would you say you also yeah, mentioned finish off? Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Sorry, you also uh, referred to the whole problem of piracy and the fact that the trust is not there. I think I think these four or five big uh, distribution platforms have done a great job to show that they can be there trustworthy. Uh, they curate the stuff. They have they have anti-fraud and anti-piracy sort of tools to ensure that uh, the apps listed on those stores are clean and, and, and not from fraudulent sources. So I think, I think all these problems have been sorted in, in, in their own way. And hence, global developers now know that there are ways and avenues to do clean business and, and, and of course, make a lot of money. And, and that's why you see a lot more action happening there uh, increasingly. And yeah, I mean, according to your own statistics, you're talking about the propensity to buy in-app purchase behavior. That uh, they say 46% of smartphone users in China have made an in-app purchase versus 37% of smartphone users in the United States. And then you extrapolate the the large number of smartphone users and and going forward, large number of smartphone users. You can't ignore this at all. And it's um, you know, this is this is one of the things that that is quite obvious. My, my, the question I was going to ask you just before when I was interrupting you was, do, do you think that uh, is China more advanced in mobile payments than, than North America because of the competition that you have in, you know, f for these mobile aggregators for the stores? Because we have two, basically, right? Uh, maybe three if you count three or four if you count Microsoft and RIM or BlackBerry. But you've ultimately you've got at the App Store and you've got Google Play. Um, but, you know, so we're tied into those as, as, a, as platforms. But do you think that you're a little bit more sophisticated in the payment process than, than North America in China? Yeah, so I think, I think uh, it is definitely much more cleaner in, in North America because it's of a linked card, of, yeah. linked card and file, yeah. uh, absolutely. But uh, from a sheer volume and population standpoint in China and the fact that they are so uh, accustomed to paying through Alipay and Tencent QQ Pay and all other methods. I, I think I think the the lack of having a consistent method has been solved in a much better way. So I won't say it's sophisticated. I won't say it's much more sophisticated. I think I think the the original Envisage's problem of uh, payment methods not being not being uh, consistent there has been solved very well 
by the fact that there are a range of methods plus very strong in-app carrier billing. Right, very important. Right, so, so that, that is, I mean, given that there's just two big carriers, and if any of these stores uh, have a direct partnership with these carriers, uh, you essentially uh, cover 95% of the population. Whereas that's something which is not still not working out beautifully in, 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 in the US. Yeah. I know that Google Play is connected with uh, a couple of those carriers for in-app carrier billing, but, but there have been reports that I, I would say there's a lesser proportion of people who are paying, paying through that method uh, vis-a-vis credit card on file. Right. Well, and certainly, uh, you know, the App Store is, is 100% credit card. And, and even R- RIMS, uh, so BlackBerry's uh, platform uh, is, is moving into, in, uh, um, you know, carrier billing as well. And I think that th- it's very important. I mean, they launched with just with PayPal. And you think about, talk about limiting one, one payment platform and you wonder, you wonder why they're suffering at this point. But what, I mean, when you look at this is that you see some of these great companies that are going in there and excelling. Uh, I mean, do you, are there some key strategies that they're using here? Are there like, I, I want to talk to you about that. I want to talk to you about, uh, you know, key strategies for getting into market. And I've heard things like, uh, you know, localization and, uh, you know, uh, maybe, maybe the Chinese population isn't as interested in, in, in a game about cowboys as they would be about something else. Right. So localization. So are there key strategies that they're implementing? And the second question that I'll ask after that, I just want maybe you to think about is uh, is marketing tactics. Like, I mean, if you're a North American company or a European company, h- how do you go about popularizing uh, your application in a local market like China, where it's so big and uh, the opportunities are so vast, but the challenges are there? So first strategies, are there any key strategies that you've seen implemented that have worked very well for companies to move into China? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think. Uh there are there are two to three things that 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 people have been really applying as a as a uh, consistent strategy. I think uh, number one, definitely, you got to make sure that your app is localized in every level. We've seen that if you have a localized app versus a non-localized one, the the uh, percentage of increase of downloads goes up by one thirty percent. So so that's something which you've seen consistently, where you where you have localized your app, not just in the Chinese language, but also regionalized at some level to make sure that the characters are cute, so that your, your game characters are, are resembling more Chinese characters and stuff like that. So I think localization and regionalization at every level, not just in terms of your game mechanics, but also your characters and, and, and the way you display your ads and stuff like that has really helped these companies to do a much better job. So, so that's one. I think the second second uh, important angle, of course, is uh, uh, really focusing on uh, figuring out a two-pronged strategy in terms of distribution. I think you cannot ignore those five to ten uh, big Android app stores there in the absence of Google Play. So what is the best way for one to work with these five to ten stores? And of course, make sure that uh, your app is being featured in the right place in the store, and 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 of course the stores are doing whatever it takes to uh, promote your app. So I think that particular angle of fragmented app stores is being <clears throat> looked at very seriously. And any such product that allows them to publish their app in a much more seamless way to these uh, 10 to 20 big stores in in China is an important angle. Of course, the third piece is what you earlier talked about. I think uh, there's a clear strategy of ensuring that. Uh, we use a combination of uh, uh, mobile advertising through networks like us and display advertising as such. Uh, definitely, uh, 
there a lot of them people are also making sure that they strike partnership with these stores uh the third thing that a lot of them are doing is the fact that uh th there is a lot of mobile app discovery hap happening in any case through mobile web there so ensuring that they are actually promoting this stuff on mainstream tv is helping a lot of these people to uh, drive up downloads for their apps so it's always a combination of these few things and and we've seen that uh uh, they, they are applying all of them uh, there. The, the, the other big dimension that is there is, is social. I think given that there are large social networks there already like Tencent and uh, Renren and these players, uh, there's, there's a huge angle of uh, social recommendations and, and, and advertisements that can help drive downloads. So all these companies are trying different stuff, but you've seen that uh, simply using a combination of mobile ad networks like us, who understand the market and how the users respond and working with these five to ten important stores is the most common strategy that is being effective what works there what size of a company what kind of budget do you need is it a small company that can do this is it you know an app you know a group of guys in their basement that are building an app that they think they can market in there or is it is it a company that can that has a little bit of money a little bit of funding that can actually uh, afford they have to be able to afford to distribute this and and put some money behind it you know is is there an ideal size of company that is producing an app that that should go into china well i wouldn't think so i think uh, it is not it's, it's definitely there's nothing to do with size of the company i think it's about the nature of your product and and the game and the app and in what sense does it appeal to the chinese consumers uh yeah i mean of course your size will determine your budget a bit but but uh uh any of these guys oh, if, if they actually end up having an app that rises up the charts of these four or five stores, uh, they might get overnight success. Yeah. So uh, I think both large and, and torso and tail guys are, are, are uh, accessing China and targeting China. And, and uh, because it's, it's the app ecosystem, it's not difficult or there, there are no big barriers for all of them to try China and possibly succeed if they have a great app and a great uh, marketing strategy. Well, what about like so? I mean, how how do they know? I mean, this maybe this is the million dollar question or the billion dollar question. Is I mean, how do they know what what appeals to the Chinese market? Is there? I mean, obviously they could work with you. Uh, I've heard of great ideas, and maybe this is a tactic where they they test it in some some advertisements that are displayed in China in China, um, and uh, and you do some you do some A B testing. But but how how do they know what what would appeal? Like they have this game. And is it is it a an assumption like a company that I ran? Uh, we had this game. It was like a Tetris knockoff. It was called, called Kaglom, and um, and all of a sudden it was the number one game in South Korea. Right? We didn't do anything, but it just kind of spread like wildfire in South Korea. And uh, but it stopped. It was isolated there. So we didn't know that it would be popular in South Korea. But so how how are entrepreneurs or businesses supposed to figure that out? Yeah. So I think. Uh... I mean, there is, of course, a lot of available insights and research about how uh, mobile consumption is happening in China across devices, platforms, uh, genre and category of apps, uh, time of day, uh, and, and how they're actually influencing the app download decision. So a lot of those research and insights are available uh, uh, from from primary sources to a range of partners. It, of course, it could, it could be players like us. It could be 
uh, stuff like what Destimo or Flurry and players like these constantly churn out. And that's 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 one, I guess, a starting filter for to just understand what the market is all about. I think I think, uh, but that that's just a starting point. You got to figure out and test, and 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 the best part of working with any of these uh, networks or or players like these stores is that it doesn't it doesn't take too long to test and see how users are responding to your application in China. So so that that is where the combination of uh, using simple products uh, like what Imobi has. Imobi has this whole product called Imobi App Publish, which simply allows a developer, an Android developer, to submit the app to Imobi and publish directly to those uh, 150 to 200 stores across the world, which also include a few Chinese stores. And that is seamless because it's free. And then you can see how those stores and users are responding, what sort of downloads and installs you're getting. And then you can always check whether the LTV of the users you're getting is high quality or not. So there are many of these interesting ways to ascertain and validate and check feasibility of what your app is going to be all about in China. And then once you have tested and seen some, some success, then one can easily scale and, and do a lot more with the various distribution tactics we talked about. So uh, I, think, I think that's how we look at it. It is a complex market. I mean, I mean for, for a lot of US developers, uh, I mean, anything international is difficult. And of course, China is very complex in terms of perception. And I guess that's where one has to beat the myth that in, in that mobile ecosystem, uh, one, one cannot uh, ignore these markets. And there are many, many companies globally uh, placed to help them do a much better job of understanding the market and eventually help them distribute. And that's what, we, that's what developers have to take, take advantage of. Well, absolutely. And you mentioned, I mean, these five big, bigger uh, marketplaces that Android marketplaces that they also have to be in touch with and they have to be, uh, you know, sell through or, or be listed in. I mean, how do they if they're not on the on the ground there and they don't know the market very well, how, how do they how do they find these guys? How do they get in touch with these guys? How do they get their product featured in in these app stores? Well, so, so, so there are two ways here. One, of course, is so the three ways. One is working directly. And if you are large, and if you can manage to land up there and, and attend big events like the GMIC, which happened like a month back when all of us were there, you can easily strike and discuss and work with the respective these five, six stores. And, and of course, you can strike commercial agreements. And there's a whole jing bang around, you know, having a legal office in China because the payments, you have to pull out payments. How do you get paid? And, and all that is, is, is difficult. So, so that's one option for the large guys who can afford to do so. The second option is, uh, and again, there are there are companies in China who understand that this is a viable market opportunity, uh, and we know about companies like Coco China and iDream Sky, who are uh, at one level working closely with these five to six big app stores in China, and then they help Western developers to have a much more concerted strategy for China. So uh, they are primarily more advisors, and they help. Uh, in this bridging at some level, and that's another viable option for certain folks. And then of course, the third option is working with players like us, who uh, not only have the research and insights and the relationship, but also a strong technology platform backed by understanding of user data to, to make sure that what you get in terms of your uh, budgets and campaigns is high ROI, because we understand really what users are taking for your kind of application. So I think, I think those are the three options that one can look at uh, very objectively. And, and again, it depends on what, what size you have and what gumption you have 
and how you look at China per se. That's true. It is gumption is what it takes because you you mentioned a few, <laughs> well you mentioned a few of the things that you know there's always apprehension when you move into a new market is that uh, because we all know that you don't just turn it on and and it's overnight success right the likelihood of of an app uh, you know reaching the the altitude of something like Angry Birds on a global scale is you might as well just put all your money into a um, a lottery ticket right because you have better odds of of winning that right now. So, but you mentioned some of the pitfalls, right? And that's always what makes, as an entrepreneur, you kind of, you, you stay within what you know. And and oftentimes that, that means like, you know, I don't know how to collect fees or payment from China, which is a big challenge, right? Is that because you, not only how do you, how do you collect it? How do you, how do you then pay taxes on it? And how do you extract it into my bank account here in North America or in Europe? Um, I mean, are, are there some glaring pitfalls that you would, you would say, listen, folks, take a look at these before you go into china take a look at this because if you don't know if you don't have this all lined up the challenges are going to be many and you are going to be frustrated and you might lose your shirt is there anything that you can think of well i think uh i mean there are two scenarios right i mean one is where uh there's a huge phenomena where uh the western developers are entering china through these uh, app stores uh where the app store does not charge you a price to distribute your app. The app stores are actually having a ref share agreement, a revenue share agreement with you. So for every app that is downloaded, and of course for all in-app purchases that those users make, uh, there is a ref share that the app store uh, takes off and then of course shares the remaining with, with, with the developer. It's, it's a classic Apple and Google model, except that it is not 70-30, it's 50-50. Uh, what? It's fifty percent to the to the store, wow. and, and and then unless you have a strong mechanism for collecting that money from these five, six, seven, ten stores, and and the number of stores are always increasing because uh, I mean like hundred Android app stores in China and ten, twenty of them are strong enough. It, it is just a big mess. This whole whole collecting your payments if you, if you are doing a revenue share agreement, right? The other scenario is where. You are a Rovio or an Outfit 7 and any of these large guys, a Fruit Ninja who has huge traffic from China, who has already got a large user base who's uh, browsing a game or using a game, and you want to monetize that guy. And, and then you essentially want to, you want to make sure that you serve ads to them and, of course, make money. That is relatively cleaner and simpler because then you can always work with a global ad network uh, to monetize your ads and that payments and all that happens at, at a global level. So I think the first one is slightly more tricky, and that's an increasingly important phenomena where uh, most of these app stores are, are only working on a revenue arrangement, and then that's tricky. Uh, and that's where one has to be slightly more uh, worried about. It's one thing I didn't realize that that these stores offered a 50-50 split. And, I, and I, it just takes me back to those early days when, uh, you know, in the J2ME days, when, when you could, uh, there were other app stores. There were, I mean, there were probably a dozen other app stores in North America where there were dominant app stores that you could download games for BlackBerry or for just uh, feature phones. And uh, and it, during those days, uh, you know, it was this kind of free-for-all that it seems like it is in, in China right now where there was a lot of control held by those guys and they were outrageous. They, they were charging way too much as a conduit to the customer, but they had the power. The app store came in and all but eradicated those companies. Like, I, there are very few left, if any, and uh, it, as we said, in North America, it's dominated by Google Play and and the App Store. Is there is there the, the chance that that's going to happen uh, in China, or is it just too big? 
Well, absolutely. Yes. I mean, I mean, I mean, right now it's a crazy number of stores. The last count is like 200 Android app stores there, which are emerging and catering to all sorts of niche audiences in, in, in China, uh, ranging from like kids stores and mom stores and of course the big ones. But but there is another another phenomenon that is happening. I mean, why don't you realize that we, given that the Google Play Store could not have been there, there is the entry of the Amazon Store, which which is which has gone there to make sure that they resolve some of the some of the deficiencies in the other store, like the pricing, like the revenue share, like the whole angle of having a curated set of apps which are not uh, uh, pirated for sure. And, and that's interesting because Amazon has seen a golden opportunity there to go in there because Google Play cannot exist there and be the most dominating maybe uh, Android store in China in the next few years. So I think I think I like that because it's it's uh, it's, it's it's something that is uh, solving for the problems that existed with with working with those five big big guys. And and uh, by definition, uh, it's Amazon is high quality and curated and. And they do a great job of uh, recommendations. So that is the sort of stuff that will keep happening, and that is good for the ecosystem. I, you know, Amazon is. I mean, certainly for anybody who's ever listened to any podcast that I'm a part of, is that I, I believe that Amazon is uh, will be the most valuable company on the planet at some point because of these moves that they do, and uh, and certainly the the ability to get into China very quickly in a fragmented market like Android and be the 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 branded curated voice for Android down there is amazing to me. And I think that there's huge opportunity for those guys. So, uh, yeah, and they obviously think that and everybody thinks that, and that's not a smart statement, but that's just an, an, a matter of fact statement uh, that Android is doing wonderful things or that, uh, that Amazon is doing wonderful things. My, my question, uh, and my last question is this, like, you know, what, what is succeeding there? You know, we talked about games, we talked about uh, communications applications that are in there, but, but you know, there's broad categories for games. Uh, I mean, is there anything that, that you've seen that, that would tell you that you're on the leading edge of a, of a trend here, that if you get into China with these kind of apps, that, that the, the population is thirsty for something like this? Is there anything that you're seeing out there that, that I could, we can leave some, you know, the listeners with that might inspire them to get into China? Oh, absolutely, I think, I think within game itself, uh, what you've seen that uh, what is getting more prevalent and popular is the very, very, very casual games, which is snackable content because snack because of two reasons. One, uh, wireless connectivity. I mean, 3G connectivity is both rough and, and expensive. So for the average Chinese teenager who has managed to get an Android smartphone uh, may not want to spend so much on... Uh, uh, playing that game over 3G or playing long time and all that stuff for, for mid-core games. So casual games, snackable content, working at a much popular level uh, because of the demographic of the population and other sort of infrastructural angles like uh, connectivity and broadband and stuff like that. Right. So so that's there. The the second thing is I think uh, I think Japan and Korea traditionally have been a much more uh, hardcore, mid-core, online gaming market-led led, led economies. I mean, players out there have done a much more stuff on uh, uh, real player games and multi-morph games and all that. And China traditionally has not done that. So, which is why uh, I think the we've seen that it's more the casual types, uh, of course, the puzzle games and the card games and stuff like that, uh, that, that, is, that is 
much more work and much more successful. And what about the communication side? I mean, you know, we, we, there, there's behemoths in there, right, that, that are trying to get in there. But there's got to be some little niche that, that you think that is completely not exploited yet when it comes to like, like are, is the Chinese market, um, are they Instagram fanatics? Are they filter fanatics? Are they real-time communication fanatics? Are they, you know, are they gamblers? Are they, you know, is there something that, that there's a, that there's just, you look up and there's a gap that you've seen? Yeah. So I think uh, on the pure messaging and chat perspective, uh, most players think that uh, Tencent has done a phenomenal job and, and, and both, I mean, I mean, both Kakao and NHN line, who otherwise in other markets have really sort of become uh, dominant and num the number one and number two players in many of these other markets, they just sort of re realize that uh, China, it's, it's Tencent who's really cracked the market because of multiple reasons. So I think that that core piece itself is sort of protected by Tencent. While there are many other players who are coming up strongly and using a combination of chat and messaging and uh, search and players like Kuihu. I mean, there's a player called Kuihu, which has done a phenomenal job. Of course, Baidu doing much more on the app side by a combination of search and all that. So I think these are, those are local players who've done well, but, but many of these other global chat and communication players uh, realize that it is not an easy challenge right on the communication side having said that i think the chinese guys have of course uh, respectfully uh, copied and replicated every successful or not successful uh, mobile app company in the silicon valley and then there are like uh, when you meet, when you meet these guys they don't have they don't talk about their own name they share, I am the Pinterest of China, I am the Instagram of China, I am the color of China. And I think all of that is happening, but the, the, the few of those who are, which are again working out very well is, is uh, the photo sharing guys, because again, video cannot work too well because of infrastructure reasons and bandwidth reasons. So you've seen all that happening. And it's funny because when you, when you think that uh, it's, let's say, let's take the whole e-hail taxi application companies like Uber and, and Hilo, in the Western part of the world, and you would think that's a very Western phenomena. Suddenly, you see a whole rise of uh, e-hail apps in China, in Beijing, and Shanghai, and all that are getting very popular. So, I think the whole ecosystem is global, and it takes no time for for these uh, interesting business models to get replicated uh, by smart entrepreneurs across the globe. And because it's all mobile, it's because there are distribution platforms, and and of course networks like us who can help do much more distribution easily uh there is there are no borders it's it's, it's a porous global porous thing so that that's my you, final uh, you know it's so, like what you just said there is 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 so um what's so great about the mobile industry right it is a, this is this is a global thing that has descended upon us all at the same time and countries are taking are participating in different levels, but but the acceleration that uh, participation is faster than anything we've ever seen before, and and as a business with an innovative idea like an Uber, like a Halo, like ride sharing car companies, right, that that leverage that, or even um, you know uh, hitchhiking companies that that you, you know you, you tell your your location is, and then uh, there's a car around the corner that is participating, and they'll give you a ride for a tip, those kind of things. Um, I talked to a lot of entrepreneurs that say, listen, you know, we're going to we're going to contain it. We're going to grow slowly here and then we're going to expand into other states. But at the same time, as they grow slowly here, like Uber going from city to city, city, uh, you look over at China and they're like, hey, that's a good idea. 
boom and then they are the dominant player in china and then uber can't get into china because it was their idea at the beginning um and but somebody else actioned very quickly so that is a that's a cautionary tale about this industry isn't it there's there's no time to wait you have to put the pedal down much like inmobi has done and just say you are either a global player or you will be relegated to this little spot over here and outside of the countries that are dominant like china is that is that a fair statement absolutely i think i think this is one uh, economy or this is one phenomena in, from a whole industry shift standpoint that is far more global in its perspective and its learning curve and acceleration curve than anything else. I mean, PC and servers and online has gone and done all that. And PC was only about four yeah. economies, US, UK, Germany, and Japan. But then mobile is, is really where you, you, you've got a Lithuania who is on the map for some reason. There's Estonia on the map for some reason. And I'm sure uh, there are random countries in, in Russia which are doing great. So it is truly global and, and uh, uh, it, it, can, it can be overnight success at the same time, but at the same time it can actually, if, if, if you're not innovating constantly on, for your users, there's so much more competition out there, you could just be relegated to a nobody in, in no time. And you've seen that with many, many apps who've actually been Great success stories, but in a matter of like months, the user base has shrunk like by 50, yes. 60%. So yes. it, is, it is a difficult and crazy and uh, unforgivable <laughs> forgivable e ecosystem. I would say this is the last question here. And then I'm absolutely going to let you get home, uh, Piyush. I really appreciate you sp spending this time with me so late in, in the evening for you. Um, when like we look at what the what's happened in North America and it's it's kind of we're in this kind of post app world like the app economy has come and and uh, you, you know everybody talks about app fatigue and and uh, and you know the number of downloads has declined a little bit uh, and our you know we use the same three or four or five apps every day and and uh, you know we've matured into this spot where it's about user interface and user design and integration into life and you know always on services and 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 there's a new layer as a result of what's happened with the app economy and and then I look at China as this burgeoning market where, uh, you, you know, there's a flourish of activity around smartphones and everybody's activating smartphones and, and there's tons of downloads and people are trying all these new apps, much like it was maybe two, two and a half years ago uh, when the app economy emerged in the U.S. What do you think happens here for China? How, how long does it take for them to get into that, that, that uh, stasis period where it's no longer about the app economy, it's about enabling the economy through apps? How, are we going to see that transition much faster than we did in the U.S.? Well, I think uh, there is that gestation period that China will go through where uh, there will be uh, a large early majority of smartphone owners, first-time smartphone owners and first-time tablet owners who will participate in this whole uh, gaming frenzy. Right? And then they'll keep doing so for the next one to two years for sure. Then what is going to happen, I mean, the whole U.S. phenomena is where the late majority smartphone users who've lived with there and done their Angry Birds and done all that stuff for like two, three, four months, now realize that I need my photo app, I need my one news app, I need my one music app, and I'm done, right? I think that late majority is going to take quite a while because you've got 500 million more people to buy those smartphones. And you've got, of the 500 million who, people who bought the smartphones in China, uh, there are at least 400 million who bought Fifty to hundred dollar worth smartphones, and, and they'll not be—they'll never be satisfied. They'll always want to sort of do something to make sure that they upgrade to the next phone, and and do much more beyond that. So I would say that whole 
functional utility non gaming set of applications that that make the whole thing more consolidated is is it has a fast rise has a fast ramp up in china but i i would still say that at least 2 to 3 years before you see uh people getting fed up of apps in china i think i think it's a crazy economy and and uh, uh by definition from a culture standpoint the proclivity of leisure and entertainment and uh, attachment to the device is much much higher Well, my wife would argue that uh, my attachment to my devices uh it rivals that of uh, probably the you know the new owner of a smartphone in China. Uh but boy oh boy oh boy. I I mean th- this is so fascinating because to get a glimpse into China China like this and and the opportunities there. It, like if you're listening to this and and you haven't considered China as an opportunity, you know, I I look at it as greenfield. And the way you've just described it is that, you know, the games were were the were the opening for this and if if China is just at that point right now uh where where and it's a much larger market uh that is uh, waiting for the opportunity to play your game and then waiting for the opportunity to use your utility app like an Instagram for example this is this is going to be a far greater opportunity than it ever was in the United States so why aren't you considering this why aren't you looking at this why aren't you you know getting in touch with Piyush to actually help you move into these markets and and uh, exploit them to your benefit and i don't mean exploit like underage labor what i'm talking about is leveraging this growing tide and becoming big in china and then when you made your money come back to the US and put some money in there because it takes much more money to make money in the US than it does in China that's my my uh, short interpretation summary of what we've talked about i can't thank you enough for doing this i had wanted to talk to you about india i had wanted to talk to you about africa i think that those are separate 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 episodes and i would hope that i could get you back on here to talk about what's going on in india because you're right there in bangalore and with a huge team and if you are willing i would love to reschedule something where we could talk about india independently as well as what we've just done with china can we do that definitely maybe a little earlier to. in the evening for you i don't mind getting up a little earlier to to make sure that you you get home for dinner <laughs> that would be good yeah Piyush, where should i send people is it just in mobi.com is that where you want me to send people yeah nobi.com look uh i i know that i've i've found this so fascinating and we will we will start looking at other countries as well um go to innobi.com uh, we have been speaking with uh, piyush shah who's the vp and gm performance advertising and developer platform in bangalore for innobi uh, it's pushing 11:00 p.m. there uh piyush thank you for doing this i really appreciate your time Thanks a lot. Pleasure. Pleasure mine. For those Thanks of you so who are listening, watching, whatever you're doing, wherever you are, I appreciate the fact that you bring this into your day. However many times you do listen to these things, the fact that you've made it this far means so much to me. What I would ask for you, just one simple thing. It is my currency. It is what how I prove that this is actually resonating with you. Whatever application you've used to download this from, whether it's a, you're on iOS or Android or or Windows or on a BlackBerry uh phone, Go to the go to that uh that podcast store that you got this at and rate this. Give me a 4 or 5 star rating, whatever you feel appropriate, and then leave a little note for me there and I will mention you on air. It is my currency. I would appreciate it if you could do that. I call to the masses, please. It helps me, allows me to bring these kind of quality guests every episode. So please go and do that wherever you might be. Thank you for watching. I appreciate the time and uh we'll see you next time on untether.tv. Thanks, Piyush. Go to sleep. Hey. Thanks for